The homilies or sermons contained in these podcasts were delivered by Deacon Joe Dietz, a permanent deacon serving at St. Edward Catholic Church in Ashland, Ohio, a parish of the Diocese of Cleveland. Each homily is preceded by a reading of the Gospel of the Day. All these homilies are the same in content as those preached. They have been recreated to improve the sound quality of the podcast. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. While the crowd was pressing in on Jesus and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. He saw two boats there alongside the lake. The fishermen had disembarked and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, the one belonging to Simon, he asked him to put out a short distance from the shore. Then he sat down and taught the crowds from the boat. After he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into deep water and lower your nets for a catch. Simon said in reply, Master, we have worked hard all night and have caught nothing. But at your command, I will lower the nets. When they had done this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets were tearing. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come help them. They came and filled both boats, so that the boats were in danger of sinking. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at the knees of Jesus and said, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. For astonishment at the catch of fish they had made seized him and all those with him, and likewise James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners of Simon. Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. When they brought their boats to the shore, they left everything and followed him. The Gospel of the Lord. Well, I guess this is the last chance, at least this year, to use a football story in a homily. After all, the Super Bowl, such as it was, was last weekend. But the play I want to talk about isn't from the Super Bowl, but from the NFC Championship game two weeks before the Super Bowl between the New Orleans Saints and the Los Angeles Rams. Specifically, I want to talk about one controversial play toward the end of that game, which determined the outcome. Now, I realize not all of us are football fans, so in order to use this illustration, I will have to give a brief primer on one area of the rules of football so that all can understand what happened. The rule in question covers pass interference. When a team that has the ball, the offense, attempts to throw the ball downfield, there are specific rules about what the player defending the pass can and cannot do. The rule applies in this case simply that the defensive player cannot hit the offensive player before the ball arrives. There are some other nuances that I won't go into as they do not apply to the play in question. But with just a minute and 49 seconds left in the game and the score tied, the Saints were down near the Rams goal line and attempted a pass on third down. The receiver was wide open and appeared certain to catch the ball for a first down and maybe a touchdown. However, before the ball got to the receiver, the defensive back ran into him and knocked him flying out of bounds. It was, in the view of everyone, a clear pass interference penalty, which, if called, would have given the Saints a first down and allowed them to run the clock down to just near the end of the game and kick a field goal that would have won the game with just a few seconds left. 
but the penalty was not called. And instead, since the penalty was not called, the Saints were forced to kick a field goal on the next play, and the Rams then had time to move down the field and kick a game-tying field goal, which sent the game into overtime, where the Rams eventually won the game with yet another field goal. So the penalty not being called pretty much allowed the Rams to win the game instead of the Saints, and the Rams went on to the Super Bowl. For the sake of the point that I want to make, I want to focus on what happened immediately after the play I described. The Rams' defensive player who committed the foul jumped up expecting a penalty flag to be thrown, but then was quite pleased when he didn't see one. The Saints coach ran down the field and started complaining loudly to the officials and of course the home team fans, which were the Saints fans, expressed their displeasure rather loudly and vociferously. They showed the play over and over on the big screen TV they have at the games, clearly showing the penalty. And anyone familiar with football knew immediately that it was a terrible no call and it was going to heavily influence the outcome of the game. After the game, the defensive player freely admitted that he had committed the penalty, saying that he was beaten on the play and just wanted to prevent the touchdown. He acknowledged he was willing to accept the penalty in order to avoid giving up a touchdown on that play. The National Football League immediately admitted after the game that the officials missed the call, but the NFL could do nothing to fix it. Although they did review the play and determined that not only was it pass interference, but also that the defender hit the receiver in the helmet, which is a separate infraction, and they fined the defensive player $26,000 for the illegal hit. Many would say a small price to pay for going to the Super Bowl, given the salaries of professional football players. Okay, I think that's all you need to know about the play. <laughs> Maybe it's more than you need to know. But my point in bringing this up is for you to consider what would have happened if the defender had responded differently to the penalty not being called. Imagine this. The defensive player hits the receiver and knocks him down early. But upon seeing the official not throw the flag, the defensive player who committed the penalty walks over to the official, reaches into the official's pocket, grabs the penalty flag himself, and throws it down. And while doing so, declares loudly, I hit him early. It was pass interference. I insist you call that penalty. It's the right thing to do. Can you imagine? What would his teammates and the Rams fans say? Are you nuts? Shut up. You got away with it. Let it go. And so on. You see, in the aftermath of that play, no one blamed the defensive player for making the play. They blamed the officials for not calling it. Now, whether you are familiar with football or not, you probably are saying, Deacon Joe, that would never happen. And you are right. But in today's readings, both in Isaiah and in the Gospel, we are shown exactly that example. Both Isaiah and Peter call the penalties on themselves, and in doing so, open the door to God's mercy and his greater plan for their lives. In Isaiah and Peter, we see two men who have broken the rules. Isaiah has self-identified as having unclean lips among a people of unclean lips. 
And Peter, upon seeing the great catch of fish and realizing what it indicates about Jesus, says, Depart from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. It is the admission of their sinfulness and the removal of this sin that opens the door to their service to God, to their relationship with the Lord. I am not worthy comes before, here I am, send me. I am not worthy comes before, fishers of men leave everything and follow him. So often what stands between who we are and who we want to be is our failure to recognize and turn away from our sin. As wonderful, loving, and merciful as God is, his mercy does not dismiss our sin, but forgives it. God does not deny our sin, but sees it, feels it, and if we acknowledge and repent of it, in his great love, forgives it. Jesus does not dispute that Peter is sinful. He does not say, oh, your sins aren't that bad. He says, do not be afraid. Why no fear? Because my mercy is greater than your sin. The angel does not say to Isaiah, be gone, you sinful man. Nor does he say, I've seen worse lips than yours. No, he doesn't dismiss the sin, but heals, purifies, removes, and purges it. Admission and confession are the path to forgiveness, empowerment, and relationship. Of course, in order to call the penalty, you have to know the rules. And that is a challenge for us today, and that we have two different groups trying to influence us that their rule book is the one we should follow. On the one hand, we have the world, an ongoing sales job that tells us we can decide for ourselves what the rules are without regard for any supreme being or church. The rules are to be determined by ever-changing popular opinion. This relativistic way of thinking not only makes it hard to know when to throw the flag, it is rapidly leading us to the elimination of self-imposed penalties altogether. But in sharp contrast, we have the church. 2,000 years of scripture and tradition under the direction of the Holy Spirit and dedicated not to public opinion, but to seeking and following the Lord of the universe. We are not perfect, but even Paul acknowledges in his letter to the Corinthians that he is the least of the apostles, not fit to be called an apostle because he persecuted the church of God. But by the grace of God, as he says, I am what I am. And it is by that grace that he hands on of first importance that Christ died for our sins that Christ died for our sins. He did not die for our good deeds. He did not die for our denials. He did not die for our excuses. He did not die for our explanations. He died for our sins. 
He died so that all our sins could be admitted, forgiven, removed, and purged. What a waste to fail to take advantage of his mercy because rather than make the call ourselves, we let the world make the call and the world missed it. If we have a properly formed conscience, we know when we have sinned. But if we wait for the world to make the call, we will live with our sin rather than have it forgiven. Today, as we draw closer to the Lord in this Eucharist, may we see him as Peter did, and in that moment of graced recognition, see our sins as well. Then responding to his call through admission, repentance, and confession, leave our sin behind as we follow him. Send questions or comments regarding this podcast to Deacon Joe 2017 at gmail.com.